0: Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today.
1: Hey, church. Well, we're excited to dig into Mark again. We're back in the series. Um, But we have a very quick and very huge announcement that we'd like to make that we're so very excited about, and it has everything to do with regathering in person. That's right, an announcement about our regathering in person, in-person services. So that will be taking place. Want to take it away?
0: Are you guys ready? It's not just big, I think she said big, or huge. It's enormous, it's gigantic, (laughs) it's massive, that's right. We're meeting again starting July 12th. So we're so pumped. Um, we cannot wait to be gathering in person again at the Crest Theater. So we wanted you to know, um, because of the schools being shut down, not open to the public, our West Sac campus will not be meeting at Stonegate Elementary, so we'll be coming together. We we're already about to, moving into the building in just a few short weeks, but we'll be gathering together at the Crest Theater starting July 12th. We're going to shift our service times. We're going to have two services at 9 and 11 a.m., but here's the deal. There's a lot of details that go into this. Number one... You're gonna to have to register. We're following all the governor's guidelines, protocols, everything that the state is asking of us, and that means no more than 100 people per service. So you have to register to, to you know, fix your spot in, to lock it in so you can be there. Um, also, we're gonna be following all the cleaning guidelines. Mm-hmm. Masks will be, pro- will be uh, necessary. Our team will all be wearing masks, but we are also so excited to be gathering together. Now, we understand that some of you aren't comfortable yet, Um, We want you to know, we don't think you're less spiritual. Um, We don't think that you're afraid, you're walking in fear. No, we totally understand Mm -hmm. the reality of this situation. And some people may want to continue to stay home in this moment. And we support that. And so what we're going to be doing is live streaming the 9 and 11 Mm a.m. services online. So we'll still have the online experience for you on Facebook, YouTube, and Church Online. So if you're not comfortable coming yet stay home. We also won't have child care, but you are allowed to bring your children in with you if you so choose. So we cannot wait. Um, more details will be coming. We'll be releasing everything that it's going to take to be a part of this over the next week, the link to sign up, everything. But we are excited, excited to see you, excited to see our teams, to be in person again. As the state has begun to open up again, I think it's fitting that the church begins to open up again physically. And so we're going to begin doing that. And then in just a few short weeks after that, we'll be moving into this building. We're getting so close and we cannot wait. Yes. (laughs) So, hey, we love you guys. We're praying for you. Um, And I believe you're about to be encouraged and blessed by this word. So in your living rooms, behind your screens, wherever you are, I need you to give it up. For my favorite preacher in the world, that's right, my wife, Chrissy Cole. Make some noise wherever you are. Give her a shout out. Say, go get it, girl. All right. All
1: right. Go get it, girl. Bye. Wow, what an introduction. So excited to be with you and to share the word today. Um, Man, this is a really exciting time that our church is walking through. And so I can't wait to share this message because it's all about Our faith. So this week we are jumping back into Mark 9 and we're finishing up that chapter, Mark 9, 14 through 19. And my title of this message is Possibility and Prayer. If you remember, um, two weeks ago, Caleb, before Father's Day, he spoke on the transfiguration of Jesus where he, along with Peter, James, and John, went up to the glorious mountaintop and experienced a transfiguration. And now we come to the point of the story where he's coming down the valley and crowds are gathering because the Father had approached the rest of the disciples, the nine that were left down in the valley, seeking for his demon-possessed son to be healed. And so I want you to hear really quickly the juxtaposition between the transfiguration and this moment that we we're talking about in the valley at the bottom of the mountain. First, Jesus was on a mountain, and then the rest of his disciples and the crowds of people were in a valley. On the, for, during the transfiguration, there was God's glory everywhere, but in the valley, there was much suffering and the, on the mountain top, there was God's presence and Satan, his presence was dominating um, an individual in that valley. And then we see that the father is pleased with his perfect son, but then an earthly father in the valley is tortured by his son being demon possessed. And so there's just a lot happening in this scripture, but what happens to the demon-possessed boy and this father who is approaching the rest of the nine disciples to seek healing is an absolute miracle. Jesus enters the scene when he comes down to the valley and he um, is, is his presence is made known. He heals the demon-possessed. Now, I think that this can be an encouragement to us about how Jesus, when he meets us on the mountaintop or in the valley, his presence changes things. His transformative power changes things. And the presence of Jesus has the potential and power to do something awe-inspiring in our lives. So I don't know what your expectancy is today. I'm just praying that you would have hearts full of great expectancy because Jesus, his presence is here. We've worshiped. You've invited him into your heart. You've invited him into your space, and he wants to do something awe-inspiring today. So because of Jesus' presence and the little faith that's displayed by the father who has a demon-possessed son and bringing him to the disciples and now Jesus, his power is made manifest because of that little bit of faith that the demon-possessed son's father had. And so write this down if you're taking notes. I wanna submit to you that if Jesus' presence produces power and transformative power, then through prayer, the access that we have to his power today, all things are possible. You know, this message is about possibility and prayer, and prayer makes things possible. Prayer is our power. That's what we say at Project Church. That's one of our core values. But the prayer of faith is the key to unlocking the power that makes all things possible. Prayer makes even the possibility of casting out a demon from a human. You know, this is relevant for us today. Some people wouldn't think it's relevant because they're like, "Well, demons aren't real." Well, demons are actually actually prevalent in our society today. Make no mistake. You know, we we say this over and over that Ephesians 6:12 states that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So in this present darkness, there is demons. there are demons at work. Let's not make any mistake of that. But I will say that I believe that we give medical names or maybe even medicate what is actually demon possession. Um, it's, It's still there, it's still happening. And I'm not saying that every psychological or physical illness is you know, happens by means of demonic possession. But I will say that anything that is not of God has some demon uh, influence. And anything outside of God leads to to something that, the, the root of evil. And so, again, not all psychological or physical illness is demonically induced, but there could be some demonic roots. And so with that said, I want to think about some of the prevalent Um, situations that are taking place in our world today. Three things that come to my mind are mental illness, corruption of government, racism. And when I think about those three things, I think, man, God, this is impossible. How are we going to make it through the mounds and the growing numbers of people who are struggling with mental illness? How are we going are we, are we to help everybody in that, in that space, in their minds? How are we going to help a government whose um, structures and systems are created by people who are corrupt? There's corruption in our government. Like, it seems like an impossible situation, and now racism. Racism has kind of come back to the forefront of our hearts and minds. Now, what if, as followers of Christ, we began to take on the perspective that Jesus has on these impossible situations. And we begin to fervently pray for God to do the, to do something awe-inspiring in these seemingly impossible situations. What if we start looking at mental illness as spirit of confusion, spirit of depression? What if we look at the corruption of government as the spirit of greed, the spirit of, mirror, uh, of malice, of uh, the spirit of pride? What if we look at racism as a spirit of division, the spirit even of death? You know, if we start looking at situations that our world is facing that is seemingly impossible when we pray prayers that are are calling on jesus who has all power that i believe that all things are possible people can be healed corruption can be turned over towards um, towards honesty and integrity things can change in racism and we can be united in those situations where the spirit of divisiveness is trying to take over and so i want to encourage you today don't think of these situations as mere impossibilities, but take heart. John 16, it says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. Church today, when you look at your Instagram, when you look at your Facebook, when you look at the news, take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome this world. So as we read the scripture today, I want you to take heart. We want to walk through this world with Jesus, following Jesus, and the inevitable, seemingly impossible trials of our lives. And we want to walk through them with peace and hope in Jesus, in Jesus alone. So let's open up the word of God. You can follow along on the screen, Mark 9, 14 through 29. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And he answered them, Jesus "'O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? "'How long am I to bear with you? "'Bring him to me.' "'And they brought him the boy. "'And when the spirit saw him, "'immediately it convulsed, and the boy, "'he fell on the ground and rolled about, "'foaming at the mouth. "'And Jesus asked his father, "'How long has this been happening to him? "'And he said, "'From childhood. "'And it was often cast him into fire "'and into water to destroy him. "'But if you can do anything, "'have compassion on us and help us.' and jesus said to him if you can all things are possible for one who believes let me say that again jesus replies to him if you can all things are possible for one who believes immediately the father of the child cried out and said i believe help my unbelief and when jesus saw the crowd came running together he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer." My question to you today after reading this is where is your faith? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that these stories are instructions for us and they help us. Um, prepared to help this world find hope in you. So God, I pray that we are filled with your faith as we read this scripture today, as we dig into it. And God, that the faith would propel us to live this life with hope and to take action um, through prayer. God, may we rely on you more than we've ever relied on you before. We love you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Now, before we take a closer look at this story, I want you to understand where Jesus is at in this journey. And something he had, that he says um, is a key to really understanding this scripture. Um, and it's in verse nine, just a few verses before I read this uh, portion, it says this, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the son of God had risen from the dead. So Jesus coming out of transfiguration, he commanded or he, he encouraged the disciples You know, don't tell anybody about this. And so some people are confused. It's like, why is Jesus wanting to keep this quiet? Because there's just this incredible transfiguration experience. Um, And why wouldn't he want everybody to know? And I want to submit to you that Jesus, he knows he doesn't need a PR person. You know, he doesn't need to to say, this is what I can do. This, These are the miracles I can perform. Um, he doesn't need the disciples to prove who he is. Everything that Jesus did before this transfiguration was an ability for the, the disciples to walk with him by sight and for them to understand who he is and the power that he wanted to leave for them. And so I wanna to submit to you that, um, that Jesus wasn't trying to prove himself at this point. He was who he said he was. Remember that the transfiguration that Caleb preached about, and I encourage you to read up or go back to that message, and you can get that message online either through um, YouTube or our website, projectchurch.com. It was a fantastic message that... Caleb even said was one of the most important messages that he spoke. But I want to um, recall that this transfiguration was a turning point in Jesus' earthly uh, ministry. Before the transfiguration, he was walking with the disciples, and the disciples were knowing who he was. They were walking by sight. But the rest of this chapter and throughout chapter um, 10, we're going to see that Jesus wants to teach some lessons to the disciples, and I believe he knew that his final days were coming. By chapter 11, Jesus sets foot into Jerusalem. And now that he's there, he understands and he knows that his final days are at hand. They're at chapter 11 on. And so we see in chapters nine and 10, starting with this message on faith, that he's going to give the disciples and us some lessons on humility, first faith, then humility, offenses, seriousness of sin, marriage and divorce, children in the kingdom, earthly riches, true wealth, leadership, and sacrificial sacrificial service, and then faith. So chapter 9 and 10 just bookends all these lessons that Jesus wants to teach the disciples with faith. That says to me that faith is something very important for us today because Here's the thing, we walk with Jesus only by faith. You know, we have a faith that uh, Hebrew 11.1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We never walked with Jesus the way the disciples walked with Jesus. It's an important message that I'm speaking today for our faith. We've only, um, we've never seen Jesus, so we trust in something that we don't see. We trust in someone that we have not seen. We trust in the Holy Spirit that we can't see. We trust that he died and he was resurrected, but we never saw that. And we trust in this fulfillment um, of the gospel that we will not see, we haven't seen. And so we are walking by faith. This is a message for us today, even though he's teaching lessons to to the disciples. So as we continue this message on faith, I wanna answer a few questions that will take us through the text, and it really hinges on what Jesus says about faith in him in verse 23. He says, all things are possible to those who believe. This is his response to a man of faith who was desperate for his son to have this demon cast out of him. And so here's a few questions I wanna ask you, and it'll take us on this journey of faith. First question I have for you today is, What can disrupt our faith? I think the quickest answer to really summarize verses 14 through 16 is that people can quickly disrupt our faith. And what kind of people? Number one, approval of people, people who we are looking to for approval. You know, I wonder if the disciples weren't able to cast out the demon because they didn't have the faith that they needed. In fact, Jesus does say that in the scripture. He said, oh, ye of little faith. I wonder if we can have our faith disrupted because we want approval from others. You know, there were crowds and crowds of people coming. They knew that this um, man was bringing his son who was demon-possessed, and he'd been demon-possessed for a long time. And so the crowds knew who Jesus was. And so when they, when they saw that, this uprising was happening and um, they brought them to the disciples they were like man if the disciples are here jesus is going to be here they wanted to see jesus and you know it's like some celebrity coming to their town and at the same time not only were there people who wanted to see jesus do his thing i wonder if in the disciples hearts they wanted to do as well as jesus would have done if he was there but here's what happens they're unable They're unable. I wonder if the approval of people disrupts our faith. Other people that I think can disrupt our faith are just flat out antagonistic people. I think you know these people very well in the climate in which we are living in this society. You know, the scribes that came were religious people in that in Jesus's day who who knew the law and they were always arguing with Jesus trying to trip him up and they loved that Jesus wasn't around and they were able to talk to the disciples these nine disciples without Jesus there and they were you know they were just arguing probably wondering if Jesus is able to why they couldn't cast out any demons if Jesus wasn't here question Jesus without him being there and you know more more arguments are happening now than ever, and so this this exchange actually reminds me of the times that we're living in right now. In fact, I got hit up by somebody that, if I'm being completely honest, I totally forgot that this individual existed, um, not out of malintent, mal- but I don't know them very well, and I met them over 15 years ago, but we happened to be Facebook friends. And I received a message from this individual launching in to their beliefs on what is happening um, and whether or not, um, you know, I should be posting some of the things I'm posting about as it related to Juneteenth and racism and all these things. And everything in me wanted to start an argument because it was kind of out of the blue. She was starting the argument, but I could have just kept going with the argument and I could have been like, who do you think you are? And I could have just gone on and on. But I felt very distinctly the Holy Spirit just say, stop. This is not worth your time or your energy. And I wonder how many of us are allowing argumentative people, critical people, people who just want to be antagonistic. I wonder if those individuals are actually disrupting our journey of faith. I want to encourage you in this time to pray and oftentimes pause and pray before you respond. I know I learned that today. I didn't want my faith to be disrupted with um, unfruitful conversations. And so the next question I have for you today um, is how do we approach Jesus in faith? I believe that this father shows us how we should approach Jesus in faith, you know, there's other accounts of this story in Matthew and John, and it gives light to what's really happening here, even though Mark's gospel is a little bit more extensive. But what we see in these different accounts is that the father falls on his knees and addresses Jesus from a lowly position. You know, oftentimes our physical posture can indicate what our internal posture is and where our heart is when we are approaching someone and i think when i'm disciplining my children i don't want them to think that i'm coming down on them when i'm when i'm correcting them i try to get down to their level level because i'm not just trying to pridefully tell them who's in charge in humility i want them to be corrected and so i want to encourage you today when you approach jesus approach him with humility that's how the father approached Jesus. Second, the, the father approaches Jesus with reverence. In the other accounts, it adds not just teacher, but it adds Lord to the way he ascribes um, Jesus. He, he ascribes Jesus as the Lord and the teacher, as someone who's not deserving of or due Jesus's blessing. It makes me think of when my kids ask me for something and they just say, I'm hungry. I want cheese. I want pizza. And there are times where I just I just stop and I ask them, is that the way we ask? And I know I'm not, I don't want to necessarily give them what they want without that um, humility or reverence or, you know, that that kindness in their hearts. And so I wonder if we can start approaching Jesus, not because he'll, he'll give us what he want, what we want if we're reverent, but because that's what Jesus is due. That is what he is worthy of, our reverence. And I I want to encourage you that when you go to God in prayer, to ask him for things that um, are on your heart with humility and with reverence, the way this father asked Jesus. And next, he was desperate. This father was desperate for Jesus to touch his son. In the other accounts, it says that the father shouts to Jesus, when you are desperate, you shout. You know, there's moments in our home where I know that our kids are get a little worried and they're just like, guys, why are you fighting? And I just tell them, mommy is not yelling out of anger. Mommy is really desperate for daddy to understand what I'm telling him in this moment. And so sometimes when we get desperate, when we get desperate, our voices might heighten in decibels, okay? Well, I just want to encourage you, when you approach Jesus, approach him with desperation in your heart. Get into a quiet space, and if you want to cry or if you want to scream at the top of your lungs, express to Jesus, um, express to Jesus where you're at. And if it's not shouting, the, the, the disposition of desperation is what is important. And next we can approach Jesus knowing that we have imperfect faith. Imperfect faith. Here's what the father says, and I love this. He says, I believe, Jesus. I believe, help my unbelief. He recognizes that he has faith, but he also recognizes that it is imperfect. He recognizes that he sometimes has wavering faith. He sometimes has doubt. He has weak faith. He has little faith, but, It is, if our faith was perfect, we wouldn't need to call on Jesus. Jesus doesn't expect perfect faith from you either. He welcomes our doubts. He welcomes our questions, which is part of the reason why I wanted to ask questions in this message that had everything to do with faith. So the next question is, how much faith does it take for Jesus to move? In Matthew, this same account is in uh, chapter 17, verse 20. And he said to them, Jesus says to the son and father, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, I want you to understand that a mustard seed is the smallest seed used in agriculture in Israel. This is a very small seed, but don't be mistaken because it's a mustard seed that you have to muster up to little faith. No, you have been given little faith, and that's enough faith for Jesus to move in your situation. The miracle is done to the degree in which the Father's faith was present, and that was just little faith. This is an encouragement to the new believer somebody who just began to walk this faith journey This is somebody who spends little time with Jesus and has messed up so many times since they gave their life over to Jesus. This is for the person who's just beginning their faith that you have enough faith for God to do something awe-inspiring in your life and to interact with you and move in and through you. That is the faith of a mustard seed. The little bit of faith that you have can cause Jesus to move. And I wanna remind you what I said earlier, the prayer of faith is the key to unlocking the power that makes all things possible. Which leads me to my final question. What is our greatest act of faith? To see the impossible made possible. And I wanna give you one of our actual core values and it's what the word encourages us, that prayer is our power. You know, Jesus responds to them, in a, in a private space, he responds to the, the, the disciples after they asked, why couldn't we cast out this demon? So the, the, the child is healed and now he takes the disciples into a private place and the, the disciples ask, why couldn't we heal him? What was wrong with us? And Jesus says, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. You know, if we don't pray, it really it reveals that we have a lack of faith in our lives either we think i don't need help or he can't help or he probably won't help and and what's really going on is the doubt of god's you know awesome awe inspiring power and even his goodness you know thinking that you should pray versus actually committing to prayer is the difference between Believing God can do something and having faith that God will do something, they're not the same. Sometimes we pray, oh, I believe God um, God can do it, and if, and, if, and if God wanted to do it, he'll do it. And if it's God's will, he'll, he'll make it happen. But I, I'm not sure that that's always full faith. You know, I hear oftentimes people say, well, if it didn't happen, it wasn't meant to be. And I want to say to you right now that I'm hesitant to pray that prayer because here's the thing, what happens with prayer is that it unlocks God's power and our prayers can move the hand of God. And more importantly, prayer changes things. And if it changes things, then it actually even changes us. You know, I I don't want us to get stuck and just allow life to happen and not think that he's given us um, the power through partnering with him to see things happen so that people can have faith and find freedom and hope in him. It's possible to think that our faith is faith when it's actually not faith at all. You know, there's a difference between saving faith and supernatural faith, the faith that we read about that's a gift from God, the gift of faith. You know, faith is all that we need and Jesus freely gives us his gift of grace, but he also graces us with supernatural faith. When we pray that kind of faith, the supernatural faith, it's saying that God, I can't do this without you. It's like he's saying to the disciples, I can't drive out this situation by anything but prayer. This kind of prayer that 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 is the supernatural prayer is the prayer that only comes by saying I can't do anything on my own I am weak you are all the strength that I have only you can make things happen you know this is a, a place that we need to get as humans as just vulnerable and recognizing our weakness in him and our and our strength that we that we can have by access of praying to an all-powerful God John 14:14 14, 14 says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And I want you to not be mistaken. This isn't like, oh, he'll do anything that I want. He'll he'll give me a million dollars tomorrow. He'll he'll make my bank account suddenly be more than $5. You know, that that's not Asking things in his name. You know, we have to pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so our prayers sometimes aren't even about what we want. It's, it's about what he wants and us allowing our hearts to align with his will before our own. Ask anything in my name and I will do it. You see, the temptation of this message, I think, could be to pursue the power of Christ When this passage actually should set us on a path to pursuing the person of Christ. Jesus is not just this powerhouse. Jesus is a person who is God and human flesh. And, you know, faith isn't, this journey of faith isn't a means to more power. Faith is a means to knowing the person with all the power. So let's pursue Jesus because he came down to this earth and he knows what we walk through. We see so much of the person of Jesus in just a few scriptures here and it's less about his power and more about the person that he is. Look at verse 19. When when he recognizes that the disciples weren't able to heal or to cast out the, the demon from this son, Jesus answers them and he sighs. This is like a a major sigh for Jesus. And he says, oh, unbelieving generation. He's talking to his disciples, telling them that they're faithless. Whenever I see Jesus sigh and when he addresses the disciples, I recognize that he's not impatient. He's, He's not angry with us. He's not irritated with us. He wants so badly for us to understand that that we can trust him. He's he's trustworthy. And so this is a moment where he recognizes that they lack trust. They, they, They don't totally trust him, that they can have the power that he's given to them to do these miracles. You know, mistrust is a hard thing to deal with. Can you imagine how Jesus felt when he said, you know, I've, I've done these miracles in your presence and you still can't access the faith so you can see these miracles happen. This was actually an affliction to Jesus. And so I want us to see Jesus as a human, as somebody who, who knows very well that, you know, he knows what it feels like to be mistrusted. Jesus is human. This is the person of Christ. In verse 21, we see Jesus reveal again his humanness and jesus asked his father how long has this been happening to him you know you might read this passage but jesus is you know you might read this passage and ask you know why did jesus just heal or just cast out this demon right away why do you have to ask how long has this been happening did he really know the the history um, did he have to know that because clearly the kid is demon possessed but you know what jesus was asking The father, he was asking a question and exhibited that he had much care for this father and his son. He cares for the things that you care about. He cares for you and that is his heart for us. Verse 27 shows us another part of Jesus' humanness and the person that he was. It says this in verse 27, but Jesus took him by the hand after he healed the demon or after he cast out the demon from the demon-possessed boy. He lifted him up and he arose at this point when the demon possessed boy when that demon was cast out he fell to the ground and people even thought him to be dead but Jesus being the person that he is the kind the caring person the empathetic person the the compassionate person came over to this young man you know and and he lifted him up and he rose and People recognize, oh, he's not dead, he's actually alive. You know, this is a moment where Jesus just healed somebody, just cast out a demon. That could have been a drop the mic moment and he could have said, peace out. Come on, posse, come on, disciples, we're out of here. We have other things to do. No, Jesus took the time to go to this demon-possessed boy who's now freed from that and he helps pick him up. He helps pick him up and he displays his compassion and care for him. And finally, in verse 28, we see that Jesus wants to give us good gifts. It says this in verse 28. And when he entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And you might be thinking, well, Jesus wasn't giving them a gift. Jesus was just saying like, you know, well, you have to pray in order for these things to happen. No, you know what Jesus was telling the disciples? Jesus was letting them know. It was kind of like a foreshadowing that when I leave this earth, you're going to need something other than yourself to rely on. And so what Jesus left when he, um, when he ascended to heaven after he died, rose again and ascended to heaven, what he left the disciples he was speaking of here, it was the Holy Spirit It is the Holy Spirit that empowers the disciples. And it's the Holy Spirit that we have access to, not just the disciples, but we all have access to through the power of Jesus that we can have power through him. He's a good God who doesn't say, you need to do this, this, and that in order to show me that you have faith. You don't have to do this, this, and that in order for good things to happen in your life. No, he says, I wanna gift you the Holy Spirit so that you have something when I leave this earth. And, you know, this is an important lesson for us that we, that like the disciples, need to understand we can't do anything on this earth without him that's going to last for an eternity. And so I want to encourage you today that Jesus is a good father. He's a compassionate father. He, he's, he, he was human at one point, and he, he knows what it's like to be mistrusted. He knows what it's like and how, to be afflicted in the way that he was afflicted here. He's a good father who gives good gifts, and he's inviting you into a relationship with him. Yes, you can access his power through prayer, but more importantly, he wants you to give him access to your heart. He wants you to know who he is. He wants you to understand that he is compassionate. He's merciful. He cares about what you're going through and he he wants to intervene on the situations that you are praying about today. He loves you, and he wants you to be in relationship with him. Don't let this message just be a roadmap to pursuing power. This is to understanding and pursuing the person of Jesus. So if you want to invite Jesus into your life, if you want to know him more, if you want a relationship with this this God who loves you, who cares for you, who cares about the things that you care about, um, if you want access to that power in your life if you want to share the hope and power with others who are in despair and hopelessness i want to invite you to have relationship with jesus and that relationship with jesus just comes to you through faith it says this in ephesians 2 8 through 9 for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is a gift of god not a result of works so that no one may boast You know if you've been listening to this message and you've been saying man i need that hope i want that power i want that um, love i want to be in relationship with that person who cares for me and is compassionate and is kind and who will even correct me privately the way he corrected the disciples privately you know he i I want to be in relationship with him well i want you to know that's the most important decision you can make in your life it's a decision to jump on this journey of faith with a loving father so i want you to pray this prayer with me wherever you're at um, just inviting him into your life so that you can begin this journey of faith and maybe you walked away from god maybe you're listening to this and you you're thinking man i haven't really thought about a relationship with Jesus, or I haven't really, I don't even know how I got to watching this message. And if you're thinking, man, my faith is so little. I've done so many things. I don't know how I can recover. I want you to know that this prayer is for you too. Jesus wants to be in relationship with you so that he can um, move in and through you and bring hope to this world. So let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, thank you for allowing me to hear your word today. Thank you for guiding me to this point in my life. I accept you into my life. I make you Lord of my life and I accept that that gift of grace for my life, the grace that... Um, that says, I don't see any of your past mistakes. I've thrown that into the sea of forgetfulness. You no longer have to carry shame. You no longer have to carry guilt. That's what grace gives us. It affords us that freedom. So God, I accept you in my life. I believe that you died on a cross and you rose again. You ascended to heaven and you left your Holy Spirit here on earth so that we can can be led by it. I confess that I'm imperfect. I'll never have perfect faith, but you don't require that. You don't require uh, require that of me. So God, I say thank you, but I confess my sins. I confess my sins and I know that you are going to give me the strength to live for you. So give me that strength, Lord. I can't do this life without you. I'm weak without you. I profess your strength today. We love you, Jesus. Give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In your name
0: we pray. I hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you, and let's see what God can do through us.